0: Welcome once again to Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages from the ministry of Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. On today's broadcast, Dr. Cairns will continue this series of studies in the life and earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns shortly. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of the great 19th century English preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon, Found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook, our devotional for today is entitled Acquiring Perseverance. The text is Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 22. The Lord thy God will put out those nations before thee by little and little. We are not to expect to win victories for the Lord Jesus by a single blow. Evil principles and practices die hard. In some places, it takes years of labor to drive out even one of the many vices which devile the inhabitants. We must carry on the war with all our might, even when favored with little manifest success. Our business in this world is to conquer it for Jesus. We are not to make compromises, but to exterminate evils. We are not to seek popularity, but to wage unceasing war with iniquity. Infidelity, popery, drink... Impurity, oppression, worldliness, error, these are all to be put out. The Lord our God can alone accomplish this. He works by his faithful servants, and blessed be his name, he promises that he will so work. Jehovah thy God will put out those nations before thee. This he will do by degrees, that we may learn perseverance, may increase in faith, may earnestly watch, and may avoid carnal security. Let us thank God for a little success and pray for more. Let us never sheathe the sword till the whole land is won for Jesus. Courage, my heart, go on little by little, for many littles will make a great whole. Regular Bible reading is an essential part of the Christian life. In the Holy Scriptures, God has given us everything we need to know for salvation, for spiritual growth, and for the many issues and problems that believers face. However, many Christians do not profit from the Bible as they should because they have no guidance as to how to study it. Several ministers of the Free Presbyterian Church, including Dr. Alan Cairns, produced a brief but very helpful brochure called, Ten Commandments of Bible Study, which will help you to gain much blessing from your time in the Holy Scriptures. The method is designed to help believers achieve a comprehensive knowledge of the chapter contents of the Scriptures, and to enable them to use that knowledge to guide and quicken them in their personal prayer lives. For a free copy of Ten Commandments of Bible Study, simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. You may call us if you wish at 864 244 2408. That's 864 244 2408. Or if you prefer regular mail, simply write Let the Bible Speak. 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak. 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Increase your knowledge of God's Word by requesting your free copy of Ten Commandments of Bible Study. On this edition of Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns brings the next portion of a two-part message called The Unknown Christ Revealing Himself at an Unknown Feast. As we've said, John chapter 5 contains one of the greatest revelations of the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ to be found in the Gospels. There are three events in the chapter through which Christ revealed His glory. The first is His healings. His restoring the impotent man revealed his compassion, as well as his omniscience and omnipotence. The second event involved the hatred of the Jews, provoked by Christ's healing on the Sabbath. These Pharisees were particularly incensed by Christ declaring himself as Lord of the Sabbath, by which he claimed equality with God the Father. The third event was the honor Christ claimed for himself on the basis of his complete unity with the Father, including the power to give life to the dead by the mere expression of his will. All that is found in God is found in Christ. Now Dr. Cairns continues the second message on this theme, The Unknown Christ Revealing Himself at an Unnamed Feast.
1: And it is constantly the witness of the word of God that works of necessity and mercy are lawful on the Sabbath day. This is the authority of the Savior, and he's the one with divine authority who's setting forth to the Pharisees and also to us how we should spend our Sabbath. Yes, it is a time of rest. Shabbat was a time of rest. It is to be a time of peace. It is to be a time of religious worship. It is a time to be, for the gathering together of the family of God. Yes, it's all that. But it is a time for serving Christ, for walking with the testimony, and for doing works of necessity and mercy. Let us use the Sabbath well, then, with the authority of our Savior. He, of course, provoked the hatred of the Jews, not only by claiming the authority to lay down what was lawful in the Sabbath day, but by the equality that he claimed with God the Father. Verse 17 and 18, Jesus answered them, and if the Pharisees were steaming until now, they were steaming a whole lot more after this. My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore, the Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. The Lord Jesus is saying, my father works in mercy to needy souls, and he does so even on the Sabbath day. What an insight this gives us into the unseen world. Jesus says, my father is working. You don't see it. You don't see it my father is working and he's working works of kindness and works of mercy as well as works of judgment which you'll find in other places but my father is working the finished work of God in creation is one thing he is, it's not a constant creation but he is upholding all that he created And he's working in the affairs of this old world of ours. And he's working in the affairs of the lives of men and women. My father is working, even on the Sabbath day, the idea of the constant, unblinking work of God. As the psalmist tells us in the 121st Psalm, that he neither slumbers nor sleeps. There's no downtime with our God. There's no days off for our God. He is constantly working his will and he's working for the good of his people think of that you know there are times and I've I've thought a lot about this in, in recent times I don't know particularly why but it has been in my mind a lot as I've studied and come to the Lord in prayer there are times when the Lord has delivered me from danger from death from strife, from bitterness, from anger, from attack human or satanic or both and I don't even know what has happened there's times when he's been working I know every second he's been working I've got to think where would I be today if the Lord withdrew that shield just for a moment Can you possibly believe that the malignancy of Satan is not such that if God were to remove his shield, that Satan would not be in on you like a rocket? Certainly he would. Jesus says, my Father's working. What a comfort that is. With that in mind, when you get a chance, go back to the 121st Psalm pray through it and worship through it, and praise God through it, at the constant oversight and protection of the Lord. But then Jesus says, thus I also work just as he does. And the Jews caught the meaning immediately. They saw its true import, and they were so angry because he was making God his Father. And uh, while it doesn't appear in the English translation... There is a word that's all-important here. And it means he was making God his own or his own particular father. This is not just a general statement uh, that God is the father of all. No, no, no. This was making himself, as the Jews saw, equal with God. Of course, that's the truth that haters of Christ always target. Church history is littered with the efforts of those who want to kill off the Christ who is truly God manifested in the flesh. They leave us with a a philanthropic Christ, a, a very good man type of Christ. Some of the German rationalists following a school of a man called Schleiermacher made him the ideal man. They're willing to give us an ideal man, the best of men, but just a man. No, sir. He is equal with God. And as you... I will explain this very, very quickly as we close as you come to the end of the chapter you'll see that leads into a third way in which Christ reveals himself because in 19 through 24 we find the honor that he proclaimed he accepted the truth of total equality with the father and how does he explain it he explains it on the basis of his complete unity with the father one in essence one in attributes one in will and one in action. Verse 20 says, The Father loveth the Son and showeth him all things that himself doeth. Now this showing is not the showing of a master to a pupil. It's the same as Revelation chapter 1 verse 1, the revelation of of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him. For whom did he give it? He gave it for us. And so here, the Lord Jesus is saying, the Father hath showed these things. Why? Verse 20, that ye may marvel. In other words, God has given it in the plan of redemption. He has given it to Christ to make this great revelation that men may learn the truth. But it's a revelation of the Father to the Son who is one with him. That's the meaning of verse 19. The son can do nothing of himself, nothing independently. You see, the father never works independent of the son. The son is never independent of the father. There is a perfect unity. Notice this, what he seeth the father do, for what things soever he the father doeth, these also doeth the son likewise. I want to tell you, no mere creature could ever say that. That's not true of a creature. Even Moses could never claim that. No creature, no archangel could ever claim it. Only true deity can say, what the Father does, I do. Not just imitating, but in the full extent of his divine prerogatives and power, I do what the Father does. That's the statement the Savior is making. You'll notice how the Scripture here emphasizes the particular attributes and actions that testify of Christ's unity with and equality with the Father. I have no time except to mention them. verse 21, giving life, whether physical or spiritual, to the dead— by the mere exercise of his own personal will. Only God can do that. I want you to understand that. In all of Scripture, not Moses, who saw some mighty miracles, not Elijah, the prophet of fire, not the apostles, who saw the dead raised, Nobody in all Scripture other than Jesus Christ could do a miracle by the mere authority and power of His own will. That belongs uniquely to God. Do you notice how the Lord Jesus emphasizes it? Do you remember when we looked at Matthew 8, the leper came and said, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean, what did Jesus do? He said, I will be clean. And like that he was clean. Merely by the power and the exercise of his will, by the naked authority of his word, the work was done giving life to the dead, then, by his own will. That's the mark of God. Verse 22. The judgment of men and the administration of the kingdom. The Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. I take judgment there, both in the narrower and the broader senses. The idea of judgment as we normally conceive it, and the idea of uh, the administration of the kingdom of God. It's in the hand of Christ. These things belong to the Son as the mediator, as the executor of the Godhead. Verse 23. What a statement. He's worthy of the same honor as the Father. That men, all men, should honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. Now let's understand this, for this is one of the most dramatic and far-reaching statements the Lord Jesus Christ ever made. This is a statement of equality. Such equality that he's saying, I am worthy of the very same honor that you give to God. You worship God, you worship me. And then he goes even further, and he said, if you do not honor me, you cannot honor God. Let's learn that. There's no such thing in this New Testament of, Testament of mine as this modern rubbish, this heretical nonsense that even Christians are spouting nowadays that somehow we get together all people of faith. Uh, they're even bringing out biological or biochemical or some other sort of uh, reasoning behind this. There's now supposed to be a God gene in your brain. Let me back off for a minute. The more people get to understand about the human brain, the more they'll understand it can't function right unless it does acknowledge the God who created it. Not just a God gene. Every gene in your whole system is a God gene. But the notion that we can... We are fulfilling our destiny. As long as we believe in some God, it might be the conception pantheistic conception of the Buddhists it might be the God of Islam, it may be the God of the Jews it may be the religion of somebody else and somehow or other it'll all work out well in the end we're all people of faith my friend let me tell you if you do not honour Jesus Christ, not honour God That's not the opinion merely of some Bible-thumping fundamentalist. And I'm glad to be that. That's the statement of Jesus Christ. And the importance of acknowledging it, it, comes out in verses 24 to 26, that he has all power to save. He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life notice what he says. he says he starts this this is one of his verily verilies again let me mention a rabbit trail here without running up it verily verily that's one thing that modern translation should keep even the new King James says most assuredly yuck that's all I can say most assuredly. No doubt. You see, nobody in the New Testament says verily, verily except Jesus Christ. Nobody. There are other people who would say verily, truly, amen. In other words, they're saying, I affirm this. Assuredly, I'm saying this. But verily, verily is uniquely the formula of Jesus Christ. And the importance of the formula comes up when you come to uh, Revelation chapter 3. If my memory's right about verse 14. When he says, I am the Amen. I'd be quite happily happy to have this translated Amen, Amen. That's the word. What is the name of Jesus Christ? I am the Amen. When he introduces some great spiritual truth He's doing so in his own authority. He's saying, amen, amen. What does it remind you of? What Paul writes to the Hebrews, God swore by himself because he could swear by none greater. That's what the Lord Jesus is doing here. That's what he's doing here. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth in him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live that's not the first or second resurrection that's not the resurrection at the end of time he's saying the hour has arrived dead people are hearing my voice thank God that's still true
0: been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. If you would like to receive our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel, a booklet that sets forth the beliefs and standards of the Free Presbyterian Church, you may have a copy free of charge, simply for the asking. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org.